people are looking to throw their money away. You know, you, you pour 10 million into pickleball, you give another eight into slam ball. Let's invent a sport. I want to invent a sport. I'm not saying we do it right now on the fly. <laughs> Greg ball. But I'm going to think Greg, <laughs> Greg ball. Throw it to me. I want to do this in the next week. I want to put my thinking cap on. And on next week's podcast, I'm going to unveil and reveal a brand new sport. This is the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. Hey, that kind of thing. That's that's my favorite part of the ending of your your conversation with John McEnroe. You you get finished with his handler, and then there's like ten seconds of silence, and then that kind of thing. And I Seriously? I know it's coming. I can almost <laughs> tell from the sound wave that that's what you're going to say. Did I say that to him? If if it's followed by silence, I can almost tell you're going to say that kind of thing. I, but it still it, gets me every time. You know what? We just started the episode right there. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to the Greg Cody Show. We are talking to John McEnroe today, and what we're going to do before the John McEnroe interview is make fun of how terrible my dad is when he's alone. There's something about my dad, because Yeti and I, 98% of the time, are with my dad for these things. One of us, at least, is there to babysit, you know, do all the pleasantries of, hello, John, welcome. All right, we're going to start the interview now. My dad is terrible at that. He slows down even more. You know how my dad says he likes you to listen to this episode at one and a half because it makes him sound? Or even 1.8. Right. When you are alone with a guest, you slow down even more than you <laughs> usually do. Hello, okay. John. Um, we're happy that you're with us today. Um, All right. I get it. I get it. So, <laughs> okay, but wanna, here's the thing. Here's play, the thing. I want to play a clip here. As from like, this is John joining the Zoom to the start of the interview. And in here, we go back and forth like five times from where you think, okay, the interview has started. Oh, wait, no, it hasn't started. He's just being like, you don't know whether my dad's just talking to him off air. Right. Or the interview has started. And it happens all the time with my dad. I hate the start of interviews with my dad. I like it. I want to play a clip here right now. And the clip is John joining the Zoom. And I just want you to f- try to follow along whether you think this is off-air conversation or the interview has started. John, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, and you? I'm, I'm doing well. I thank you for joining me. You're um, welcome. Where are you calling from? You home? You're I'm in, in Miami? New York. I'm in New York at my tennis academy. Okay, great. Um, John, we're going to get into the pickleball slam coming up and, and talk all about it and, and what interests you about it and so forth. But... If you, if you don't mind, I'm going to begin more casually by mentioning... Um, Not started yet. Uh, I wanted to have you on in particular of, of the four participating players because, you know, we're sort of from the same era. I grew up in tennis when it was you and Connors and Everett and Navratilova. That's my era, you know, so uh, I, I do really appreciate you being on here. Um, are you doing anything at, at the Miami <laughs> Open connected with TV stuff? Like, you want to go uh, get drinks later? I know you're in town for pickleball, but the Miami <laughs> Open's going concurrently. I know. You know, I work with ESPN. Um, yeah, that's pretty bad. Like, what is ESPN this? ESPN no longer covers. It's only it's, tennis channels. It's so I'm not involved with the TV part of that, uh, the tennis event. No. Okay. I'm loosening Are you going to be at the tournament at all, just out of interest or no? Uh, I might there. pop by there. You know, it depends on the timing. I'm going to get there, you know, a couple of days before the match, which is the same day as the finals of the tennis. So right. um, I'd like to get there. I don't know if I'm going to have time. Okay. <laughs> That's um, a no one thing that, uh, that, that interests me about tennis right now, the state of it, is when's an American man going to win a Grand Slam again? Uh, it, it's been 2003. Did we start the interview? Are we still talking? You're like, like right there, like are you talking to him off air? Are you? And then you're like you're. Then you start the. It's like you got to establish. Like it's so awkward. I like I can't. My skin crawls during all of that. Listen, I'm reinventing the rules of a podcast. Okay, I'm not going to be the guy who very with a stiff collar says we're speaking now with John McEnroe, the tennis legend on the Greg Cody show podcast. I want to be conversational. We're just two guys cutting it up. That's all we're doing. You want to be boring conversational. (laughs) It's like the most mind numbing bore. Like, so John, are you in New York? All right. It's like casual off air conversation that just blends into all of a sudden my, and that was my era. And it's just like, Oh my God. I, I, okay. Here's the thing. I admit 
What a bad tease for that interview, by the way. We're, we're like telling people this is the worst interview in the history of no, uh, of anything being on the air. It actually gets good, but it's like the it f- gets good. It revs up. It revs up, baby. And I don't and I don't even know if Yeti leaves that part that we just heard in the actual interview. But it is just it is painful at the start. Okay, you're right, <laughs> Chris. Though I am, I've got a bad feeling for you on this. Why? I think the audience is going to take your dad's side. I mean, I, I look. I know when a guest comes on, you want to be friendly and you want to have some Casual. little banter. Right. But my point is, Bantering. there's no line. Like, there's no part where my dad's like, okay, this is, hey, where you at, John? You're in New York? Oh, we're doing playful off-air banter. And then it just blends into the interview where there's never right. a moment of, all right. Like, it's just like, John, you in New York? Cool. Well, <laughs> my my era of tenant, it's just like, I don't know what we're doing, interview That's or not. fine. I don't feel the need. I don't feel the need to say, "All right, John, we're starting now." But Dad, it has to just be clear. Like it's just your your vibe goes back and forth. Like you can do a casual start where you're not actually saying we're starting the interview now, but like let make me feel like okay, this is content. I can just tell by the way he's talking. Where it's like you go back and forth from like, yep. "How you doing? You good?" Uh, I'm a big tennis guy, you know. I think the future, <laughs> and then you go back to casual. Yeah, it's like that's the beauty of me. <laughs> I keep you guessing. All right, we're going to prove that the McEnroe interview takes off like a jet airliner at some point. It's uh, There were two-thirds of it that were really good. Him talking about pickleball was really good, and uh, and him talking about his uh, notorious personality for being uh, a guy who melts umpires' chairs. We get only, into that. Only John McEnroe could come on a podcast promoting pickleball and say he doesn't like pickleball. <laughs> Yeah, spoiler alert, but you're right. Chris, you just did the thing your dad does. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm, that's a good tease. I'm teasing. It's a good interview. I can't wait for you all to hear it. Um, I have disconcerting news from the dog kingdom, and and this is coming straight from the American Kennel Club. This is Club. becoming just the Charlie podcast. Dad, this podcast well, can't just be you updating us on your dog every week. It's okay, Greg first Cody's of all, Charlie update. This has nothing to do with Jumping Charlie, although now that you bring up Jumping Charlie, Uh-oh. I want to wish a happy first birthday oh, to my canine. My beloved Charlie turned one this past week, and the biggest surprise in my house was that your mother did not have a little cup of dog ice cream with a candle in it, because that's the kind of thing that your mother does, which I love her for stuff like that. He's a rescued mutt. No one knows exactly when he was born. He was born a year ago on the 23rd <laughs> was his birthday. I even got a happy birthday they text from the vet and uh and it's a big deal we i patted him on the head extra nice that day because it was his birthday i don't know if people out there celebrate their dog's birthdays but i do you know how people don't care about other people's kids they care care even less about other people's dogs so like let's keep it moving here keep it moving i i disagree i think dog owners are a real community I think everybody out there with a dog, which is probably 45 to 55 percent of our listeners, are nodding their heads like bobbleheads right now going, yeah, why can't I? Why can't I celebrate my dog's birthday like I would my child's birthday? (sighs) All right. Back to the American canine. Okay. Go ahead. All right. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but the lab, the beloved Labrador Retriever has been America's most popular dog for 31 years in a row. No more. No more. The lab has been toppled the new most popular dog in america and this is controversial the french bulldog the frenchie and this is controversial the french bulldog because it's popular now it's getting all this attention uh it it, its cost is spiking and people are are trying to trying to get the french bulldog the french bulldog is a is a sickly dog okay it's prone to health problems it's prone to um bronchi some sort of bronchial uh, disease or or illness that affects its breathing. Um, yeah, if I if I remember right, Ron McGill's explained it as it, because it has such a short snout. Short snouted dogs are uh, are prone to breathing problems. Right, and uh, yes, that's something I've learned from him. And I think there might be some controversy in the fact that in breeding them because of that. But I could be wrong. Yeah, no, I, I, there is some issue about that that makes. The, well, first of all, the, the the whole idea of of a dog called the French Bulldog being America's most popular, you know, there's a certain jingoism involved there, too, where the Labrador Retriever just seems like more of an all-American dog than a dog we call Frenchie. But uh, I, I, I don't want to go there. I, oh, wow. I, I just, Have you guys what? ever seen a German Bulldog? It's Are there no. such things? It's called a Bullenbeiser. Oh, good. I don't what? want anything to do with that. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> Bullenbeiser. I was like, the French bulldog gets all the love. I was trying to, you know. Yeah. Bullenbeiser. 
Sounds like a bratwurst. But the it, American bulldog's ugly. I don't like the American <laughs> bulldog. Yeah, the American bulldog right now, his esteem is as low as it's ever been. The American bulldog, because he part of him is thinking, "All right, bulldogs, bulldogs," and part of him is thinking, "You know what? The American guy's over here in the shadows, while Frenchie's getting all the attention." So the Amer- oh. I worry about the American bulldog right now. His the, mental health. The Canadian bulldog, eh? There is one. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just all over the place here. <laughs> okay. Um, calmly, speaking of animals, Jesus. calmly the racehorse I own. Dad, uh, we- I feel like this podcast is just becoming what's going on with my dog, my horse, yes, and I have three facts, Jack. Like you have punted on doing anything creative with this. That podcast. is not. A, well, how like, about my? How about my John McEnroe interview? I'm just which saying, I did give, solo. Give because everybody else abandoned me. Give me something here that's Greg Cody. I feel like it's just three facts, Jack. Dad jokes, calmly. And my dog, Charlie. I feel like that's all we've done over the last two months of this podcast. Speaking of Calmly, um, <laughs> Calmly is running in Lyon, France on April 18th. So we're going to have a massive, we're going to have a massive watch party for Calmly uh, when she runs on the 18th. We, can we do something like, we, yeah, we got to figure out, we should do something where we're like on Zoom, like streaming it live and like watching where people can I bet like, we could. Either Zoom or Twitch or something. We yeah, I want to do that. Out that we can do where we yep. can watch a calmly race like together and invite people. Okay. Uh, pickleball comes up later with McEnroe, and pickleball to me is a ridiculous sport. I, I think tennis should sue pickleball wow. because pickleball is just a miniature version of tennis. It's it's like it's the name of it will never not be ridiculous. It's just there's a lot about pickleball that I love to make fun of, and in that vein, uh, have you all heard about slam ball? Yes. Any idea? Okay. It's the most ridiculous. I had never heard of it. Like, apparently it flared 20 years ago. It was like a thing for a minute 20 years ago, and then it disappeared. And now, evidently, it's coming back. This is basketball with trampolines, right? Yes. It's it's part basketball and part football with trampolines. Now, Yeti, you apparently know more about it than I do. Can you tell me why this isn't the most ridiculous sport ever invented? I'm not going to pretend to know a ton. I never watched it outside of YouTube clips, but uh, 22-year-old me, all about this. 42-year-old me, hell we doing, man. Right. Right. ACLs. Like I, I, I don't, I don't understand. It's just, it's just concussion and death. That's all it is. And but I mean, right. that's what people love. So I guess let them have but it. But say what you want about the pickleball name. Slam ball is a great name for a sport. Yeah. Yeah, like, no, it, it tells you exactly what you're getting, mm-hmm. and because you can you can tackle in it, you can um, and I think you can only score by dunking, <laughs> and so you're totally dunking on people. It's just violence on on trampolines, and yeah, I guess that's what that's what people want. Does it have a TV contract? Because that's what legitimizes the sport, right? If it's on TV, I mean, they're cle- it's clearly coming back, so there's got to be it's going to be on a network. So I imagine there is a you know two and two together. I'd imagine there's a TV contract. Yeah, I I, I just. There's too many sports now. There, there's just <laughs> right. I mean, there's your the, back in my day sports. Well, I'm there's, seeing a Sportico article that says Slam Ball raises 11 million to revive Made for TV mashup league. Okay, that's sad. So they're 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 attempting to raise money currently to bring this right. Back. Of course, yeah. they, they have a GoFundMe page to to float their sport. It's so ridiculous. Um, Wait, co-owners of the Marlins are invested in this? A new Series A round of funding is led by IA Sports Ventures and Eberg Capital, both of which are co-owners of the Miami, Miami Marlins, among other investments. There are a dozen other participants in the round. David Blitzer, whatever, just a bunch of people. Right. Gary, <laughs> of course, Gary V. Uh, Blake Griffin. Of course. A lot of people are investing in this. Yeah, Tom Brady will turn up in that. People are looking to throw their money away. You know, you, you pour $10 million into pickleball, you give another 8 into slam ball. Let's invent a sport. I want to invent a sport. I'm not saying we do it right now on the fly. <laughs> Greg Ball. But I'm going to think Greg, <laughs> Greg Ball. Throw it to me! I want to do this in the next week. I want to put my thinking cap on, and on next week's podcast, I'm going to unveil and reveal a brand new sport that I think is good enough to really take off and generate this kind of income. What about a sport just called me? <laughs> you know what's funny? My hero, One of my heroes, Elton John, he wrote a biography, an autobiography called me. So Called Greg Cody? No, <laughs> no, called M. That's the book I want to see. That was the name. 
That was the name of, uh, you know, uh, Muhammad Ali wrote the shortest poem in history, which was one word. Wee! Me! <laughs> it was two words. And Elton's autobiography was called Me. And when you said Greg Ball, you know, that, that resonated with me. I mean, a sport called Greg Ball would be pretty damn interesting. No, it would. How about that? Only you would think it was interesting. Okay, well, it depends what it involves, doesn't it? But I'm going to think about that. Um, I want to I hear Jeff Passan's Elmo talking about me. I have to hear that. You don't want to set this up? <laughs> Didn't I? <laughs> Just now? What kind of setup was that, Dad? Nobody I like, can you, like can, you, can you set it up for the people who have no idea? I demand Passan's Elmo. <laughs> well, he, no, he was on Levitard the other day when I was in studio. And, he um, kicked you out of your chair. <laughs> he kicked me out of my chair. Makes you emotional. And they pretended like I was all angry for being kicked out of my chair. Dan likes to do this thing where he tries to like make people upset about things. And it's like, all right, now it's time to act because I'm not upset about this thing. And Dan's right. <laughs> and I have to appear angry all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm enemies with Jeff Passon because he's in my seat. All right, here you go, Greg. He doesn't yeah. like that he's been demoted. And now he <laughs> is insisting that uh, Jeff Passon break news as Elmo. I got a text during the break. Mm -hmm. Let me read it. Okay. As Elmo, it's very exciting. Okay. This, he's uh. claiming this is going to be breaking news. Hold on a second. Breaking news: Greg Cody is angry. <laughs> yes. Um, well, he he sees wow. through you because you've been aggressive in the way that you have not liked that he took your chair here. Yeah, I tried to hide it. I'm surprised my anger is that visible on my face. It's clear. <laughs> you arguing with Elmo is something that I, 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 I wish I had a passable or a passing El, Elmo, but I don't. I can't even. I wish it. you could speak in English properly. Oh, oh, wow. I'm just, I'm just saying, that's all. Wow. That hurt. That cut me. Way to improv, Dad. <laughs> Okay. He just, got, he just actually got hurt. <laughs> That's right. I, uh, by the way, I saw passing uh, in the press box at at the at Marlins Stadium. I, I still call it Mar Marlins Park. I don't know what the hell it's called. Lone Depot um, Park. I'm not going to call. I'm not going to use that. Lone Depot. I don't, I don't like when people do this thing. Like it's called Lone Depot Park. I'll, no. I'm going to call it. Like you don't get to decide what things are called. Okay. Here's the thing. Lone Depot Company <laughs> is not paying me to promote them. Okay, I don't have an endorsement deal with Lone Depot. Why in what I write or what I say should I use the name of a business? The Florida Marlins I, aren't paying you, but you mentioned their name. Because it's what it's called, and if you say other things, people aren't going to know what you're talking about. Right. I love how uh, Yeti still refers to them as the Florida Marlins, even though they've been the Miami Marlins for about 10 years. Well, every um, Friday Well, night, I'm not going to call them that, Greg, because well, that's not what I knew them as. <laughs> they'll always be the Florida Marlins to Yeti. Tom Petty wore the, wore the teal hat in his Wildflowers video, not a Miami Marlins hat. They're not paying Yeti to call it Miami. I rarely <laughs> use sponsor names in, in speaking or writing. I just don't. I use You're the so, generic. That is so holier than thou, as we're <laughs> okay. about to promote Sheets and Giggles in about 10 minutes. <laughs> they like pay this. us. That, they're an the, advertiser. And they're paying these companies. That, that would be like somebody coming on this podcast and for no reason at all refusing to say Sheets and Giggles because they don't get paid. We do. It's like... Do you think we should send Brill Cream an invoice then? I mean, it's just that, but it's just... It's so like... Like, I'm... I'm it's it's kind of like it's holier than thou. Like you're trying to like I, I won't give in to these companies. It's like shut up and just say the names. Like well, what's what's the reason that you're you not say it if you want to. But like what's the real reason you're not doing it? The real reason is that I think corporate names are, are a scourge on sports. I, I think now we see we it see corporate names on Jersey. I don't care. Let them pay the bills other ways. You know what? That's one of the things I love about, uh, I hate the New York Yankees because I grew up a Red Sox fan. One of the things I love is that Yankees Stadium is Yankees Stadium. They haven't sold it to a corporate name. These They have advertisements all around that stadium. I know they do, and that's one of my issues with this. You go to a Marlins game, you see, and you go to any game in any sport, you see advertising all over the place. The seventh inning stretch is sponsored by advertising. It's ridiculous now. I call it Marlins Park. I don't call it Lone Depot Park. Let's call it I, Sheets and Giggles Park. 
Shiggles Park. I never called it FTX Arena. I called it the Heats Arena or the Downtown Bayside Arena. You I never called it AAA. You never said the AAA. AAA is a great name for it. I I may have. Of yeah. course you did. <laughs> this is so ridiculous. You're like trying to like sit on your high horse now, and I don't believe any of it. Calmly, my high horse. I don't. <laughs> I don't believe you. I don't think you care. Like you're just like doing this so people think you're like I'm. I will not give in to these you know com like commerce is it that or is it that he's just too lazy to do the to do the new name because i, I get that way with safeco I, I still have a hard time calling right. it t-mobile but i try you've turned just forgetting what the park was called <laughs> and calling it marlin's park into this like i don't i am i won't do that like you made a mistake <laughs> no look you're, you're the one portraying me as being high and mighty and self-righteous because I'm not using corporate sponsor names. But you do. Occasionally I slip and I do. Sometimes I forget and I refer to Hard Rock Stadium instead of uh, the, the, the Dolphin Stadium. The Gall. I'm, I'm I, I don't think saying. I've ever heard you call it Joe Robbie Stadium, like, intentionally. Uh, some, sometimes I do. Sometimes I refer to it as it's still Joe Robbie Stadium to me. Uh, that's one of the luxuries is that a beat reporter... Uh, has to call it by its given name, and a columnist has the opportunity to call it whatever it's walling, it wants, including it's still Joe Robbie Stadium to me. Graceland, is that right? There we go. Okay. Graceland's here, yes. Okay. That's another thing we do too much on this podcast. What, Graceland? I don't like, think we do enough nope. of it. If we think Graceland's cute, but the, it, it has to be. Do you think the audience gets annoyed with you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And she, and she and she may be right. Um, where were we before you derailed me by yelling at me over not saying Lone Depot Park? You were talking about Mar Je you were talking about Jeff Passan at the you won't say Lone Depot, but at Marlins. Oh yeah, Park. yeah, yeah. Uh, a few hours after that, that same night at the U.S. Um, uh, game that uh, they they lost, the U.S. lost the World what Baseball Classic. You want to say that sentence again? Uh, the <laughs> it, the U.S team reached the final but then lost to japan in the world baseball classic it was a great final i mean yeah but you uh, saw jeff Passon in the press box that's where you were going like what did you say to him what did you guys do like that i right said there. to him um i said to him that him uh saying my name as elmo was a career highlight of mine and that i i, I had to uh another uh, whopper from greg cody it, well, it was a whopper. I was just being, I was just, we waited six minutes to hear seriously. that. <laughs> I was just being polite. I was making small talk with Jeff Passan because well, I don't have much in common with him. What else are you going to say to Jeff Passan when you see him in a press box? Except, uh, hey, Mike Trout, what a series he's having, huh? What are you going to say to him when he gets onto this show? Yeah. Oh, I'll have plenty to talk about that. I thought Jeff Passan <laughs> would be a little taller. He's not short. He's not Tim right. Kirkchin. He's average. He's average. But for some reason on TV and the way he like presents himself, I imagined him to be like 6'1", 6'2". I don't know why. Oh, really? Yeah. I imagined him more like Kirkchin's build. No, he's, yeah. he's like he's like my dad's height. He's like 5'10". He's an average nine. man. He's he's among me. He's, <laughs> he's an average man. Uh, but he has a very firm handshake. Extremely, really? almost a little bit too much so. Very firm handshake. And it goes without saying he's got beautiful hair. What a gorgeous head of hair on yeah. Jeff Passan. I'm surprised he oils it up. And let me say something. You're doing a podcast, so you can say something. At the game, several hours later, his hair looked different. He oiled it up for the Levitard show. Wow. He oiled it up. He looked, it had a sheen to it. Put it on the uh, scroll. Charlie Sheen, he looked great. But when I saw him uh, in the Marlins Park press box, hours later, his hair looked a little dead. did not have a sheen. It was its natural self. And I credit him for that. Good for you, Jeff Passan. Al Sheen. It's honestly rich. That's a good joke, Getty. This is rich coming from you with the hair you've got going on right now. <laughs> yeah, and I know well, I have no I, I have no room to talk, but like it's just you look like you just got out of a windstorm. I have uh I'm having a bad hair life. That's Greg, I need problem. some girl cream. I do I'm having I a do bad love how Greg Greg only views <laughs> hair product as oil. Like that's how old he is. Because yeah. I was I was looking back at the the Freedom Marathon when Whittingham was on our part of the show when he revealed that he gels his hair before bed yeah and greg's like so you wake up with an oily pillow gel isn't oil it doesn't oil your it really? doesn't make your hair greasy oh, if you're I think using it does. gel now i'm greasy but there is oil <laughs> and brill cream has an oilish you know feel to it right but like i don't think anyone 
<clears throat> unless they're using Brill Cream, like. But yeah, I, I love that that you only view hair product as it was in 1958. Yeah, well, I typically use hairspray, and my wife is always making fun of me for using hairspray. Dad, you blow dry your hair after the shower. I, I do. Mean, we, Who doesn't? <laughs> you, uh, most most men. Really? Yeah. I blow dry my hair, and I use hairspray. I just can't like that. That that was something as a kid. I just lived with. I was like, my dad blow dries his hair, and like as I've gotten older. And I've never seen an adult male do that. Why do females do it? I, because they have longer hair. Like their hair's it's got a lot of hair to dry. Your hair, like right, like dad. I get out of the shower. I do this bad boy with a towel. Just rub the hair, like rub a dub dub. And then ten minutes later, my hair's pretty dry. Like okay. you know, it's still a little wet. It has like a different feel to it. But yeah, it's right. It air dries. I like to think of the t- of Chris going over to Alex Benson's for the first time and like your dad doesn't blow dry his hair, right? You know. <laughs> Like, wow, your dad just got out of the shower. He's not going to blow dry before we leave? And it's just like, well, what I, a weirdo. <laughs> it's what I do. I blow dry and I spray. And and yet it looks like this. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is sad, but uh, it's what I do anyway. I really do think, Greg, you should go with the, like, you should buzz cut it. You know who's done that? My brother, Uncle Dick Cody, now has nearly a bald head. We're, let me see. Like, it, it's, you, I, I, I texted you a photo like... A couple of months ago when he did this and I got no I got crickets. I got no, no reaction. Did. Yes, I did. I would have remembered this. It's not it's saying just... much when texting Chris though. Yeah, he's getting notorious for not answering. All right. I just texted you a photo of El- uh, <laughs> Uncle Dick. Elton of Elton John. <laughs> of Elton John's dick. <laughs> of Uncle Dick. And I think it's from February, so this is all happening very recently. But he's got a beautiful skull, my brother. I thought I you were don't. texting it to me. You just sent me an email, but okay. No, whatever. I was bl- I was not blessed with a beautiful skull. I was a tough childbirth for my mother. I'm seeing this right now, and it's the worst picture in the history of pictures. Like you can't see. <laughs> he looks like I Dick know. Vitale. He does look like Vic- Dick Vitale, but Uncle that looks Dick fine. Like, that's what I, that's what I mean. Like he, sh- he like you, sh- you would look like this. I mean, yes, your head's a little pointier than his, but that's not. It's not going to look bad. The idea of my uncle taking a selfie is just hilarious. I know. <laughs> and the other, I, I said he sent two photos. The other one was worse. That was the better of the two. But God bless Uncle Dick. We look at dick pics this week. <laughs> Oi! <laughs> All right. Okay, there's send a lot that, of pressure. Send me that dick pic. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of pressure on me uh, with the dad jokes this week because last week, uh, Yeti guessed all three of the punchlines. And if that happens again, I'm going to retire the dad joke. Oh, I've already Yeti. said that to myself. Please, Yeti, do it. Okay, so here we go. Okay, three dad jokes. What? Why is it three? Like, when did this become a three and three thing? <laughs> like, it's three facts, Jack, I like and it. dad jokes. Like, what is... <laughs> Be- okay. What do grandparent deer do to their grandchildren? I don't know. They fawn over them. The dad joke is back. <laughs> yeah. Hooray. Number two. What does a fish say after sharing a new idea? Damn. Wrong joke. <laughs> Let me know what you think. I don't love it. Let me know. <laughs> I get it, but I don't think. love we it. We got it. We got Number it. Number one. What do you call a fake noodle? A foodle. An impasta. <laughs> I kind of like that one a little that one's bit. Decent. <laughs> okay, the, the dad joke is back. The dad joke is back. Oh, crap! <laughs> After a one-week law, we are back, Jack. And speaking of Jack, you want to do three facts, Jack, right now because these are burning a hole in my pocket. They're really good. Let's go. Really good. You ready? There are three things that interest him. So sit right back for three facts, Jack. Number three: The Civil War ended in 1865 with the U.S. government pledging financial aid to Union veterans, their wives, and children for as long as they lived. The last surviving Union veteran died in 1956, but the Department of Veteran Affairs did not write its last Civil War pension check until 2020. It went to a 90-year-old North Carolina woman named Irene Triplett, whose father had been a Confederate soldier who deserted and joined the Union side. How about that? Imagine that struck me as interesting. The idea that until 2020, the beginning of the pandemic, they were still paying. I used to live in the same town as Irene Triplett. I'm sorry. Did you really? Yeah. 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 No. Oh, Wilkesboro. Did you know her? No. All right. Get her on the phone. <laughs> okay. Number two. 
The Beatles song, A Day in the Life, the last track on the 1967 Sgt. Pepper's album, ends with a tone pitched at 15 kilohertz, a sound audible to dogs, but almost impossible for humans to hear. It was John Lennon's idea. Paul McCartney once said, if you ever play Sgt. Pepper, at the very end of it, watch your dog. If I remember correctly, they put a locked loop on the, on the record, too, on certain pressings of the record. So basically, when you finish the record, it, your record player will, will slide off the end, your record player picks up the arm and moves it back. Or if you right. don't have that, it slides off the end, you hear static, you go pick it up yourself. Well, the locking loop doesn't let it do that. So it would just like, it would go into that locked loop and just keep playing that noise and drive dogs, uh, dogs oh, absolutely bonkers. It may <laughs> have been great. a different album but a th- that where they did the locked loop, but I think they did it on some pressings of Sgt. Pepper's. Okay. Just as kind of a prank to piss yeah. people off. Yeah, and and the fact it was Lennon's idea is the least surprising thing on earth. Of course, of course. Number one, Edgar Allan Poe is most known for writing creepy stories like The Raven, Mask of the Red Death, The Pit and the Pendulum, and The Telltale Heart. But he enjoyed his first commercial literary success and bestseller with a textbook he had been hired to condense condense, called The Manual of Conchology. That's right, (laughs) the master of the macabre's first success writing was a book about seashells. (laughs) <laughs> conking it <laughs> conking it the conch republic where i was a couple of weeks ago my favorite place on earth but uh a, a, an above average three facts jack <laughs> if you can't say so yourself stellar dad jokes that's right that i will give you that was an a solid three facts jack i don't know you always Thank call you. things award-winning but that right. was solid and that by the way three facts jack is brought to you this week by our friends at Sheets and Giggles. And Dad, I feel like Yeti and I have been driving the advertising in recent weeks, so I want you to take the load this week. Go ahead. (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't know what to say other than uh, Sheets and Giggles make me sleep better than I've ever slept in my life. Really? Uh, And I don't snore as much, which my wife will testify to in court. Do you still sleep with your legs uh, crisscross applesauce? Sometimes I do, yeah. (laughs) Crisscross, right applesauce whatever that uh, i don't know why applesauce comes into that posture but i sometimes do but i am seriously sleeping better than ever snoring less i think sheets and and pillows and all that stuff bedware whatever you call it uh it's something you take for granted but when you find something that's better than anything you've ever laid on it really makes a difference I, I mean, I, I'm I'm not just saying it. It's, I think, the world of it. Good product. And you can go to sheetsgiggles.com slash Greg. Use the promo code SCOOPS, 20% off the entire site. Um, It's a, a legit quality product. Yeti, what are we talking about this week? You've been doing a bunch of stuff before the show where you're holding up pillows and you're doing sound <laughs> tests. So what, you're in the lab right now doing science. What's going on? That's right, Chris and Greg. Um, we uh, Sheets and Giggles you know, sell sheets. They sell mattresses, but they also sell pillows. And um, um, we got we got our first Sheets and Giggles pillow this week, and I think it's great. Um, it's adjustable. You, uh, it's made from natural products, so the foam on the inside is made from trees. It's covered in its classic eucalyptus lyocell cover. Get to the science, Yeti. All right, all right. Let me show. You, let me tell you what you are hearing. That, that's a loud pillow. What you have just heard is your partner uh, waking up in the middle of the night by adjusting their pillow, their yeah. standard non-sheets and giggles pillow that you get at any other department store. Nothing worse than a loud pillow. <laughs> Let me tell you what you are barely hearing. Yeah, he's doing uh-huh. the same motion and you don't hear anything. What you are barely hearing is the pillow from Sheets and Giggles. That is a quiet pillow, folks. That one's not waking me up in the middle of the night mm-hmm. when my partner decides to rustle around. Please wow. go sheetsgiggles.com slash Greg, promo code SCOOPS. The website's wacky. There's Yetis in a weird sexual position. It's the Costanza. Boy. But uh, please go check out their website. Buy some stuff. It helps them. It helps us. It helps keep this podcast going. But now, without further ado, let's get to John McEnroe. And pay attention here. And please don't give up on this in the first two minutes. Because my dad's <laughs> terrible at the beginning. But it gets a little better. And we're going to talk some cane soups on the back end. So there's still good stuff coming here. John, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, and you? I'm I'm doing well. I thank you for joining me. You're um, 
Where are you calling from? You home? You in Miami? In I'm in New York at my tennis academy. Okay, great. Um, John, we're going to get into the pickleball slam coming up and, and talk all about it and, and what interests you about it and so forth. But if you, if you don't mind, I'm going to begin more casually by mentioning um, uh, I wanted to have you on in particular of, of the four participating players because, you know, we're sort of from the same era. I grew up in tennis when it was you and Connors and Everett and Navratilova. That's my era, you know, so uh, I, I do really appreciate you being on here. Um, what are you doing anything at at the Miami Open connected with TV stuff? Like, uh, I know you're in town for pickleball, but the Miami Open's going concurrently. I know. You know, I work with ESPN, um, and it, it, ESPN no longer covers. It's only tennis channel, so I'm not involved with the TV part of that, uh, the tennis event. No. Okay. Are you going to be at the tournament at all, just out of interest, or no? Uh, I might pop by there. You know, it depends on the timing. I'm going to get there, you know, a couple of days before the match, which is the same day as the finals of the tennis. So, right. um, um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I, I'd like to get there. I don't know if I'm going to have time. Okay. Um, one thing that, uh, that, that interests me about tennis right now, the state of it, is when's an American man going to win a Grand Slam again? Uh, it, it's been 2003. Uh, you know, since Roddick and and I don't see any American man on the horizon. Maybe you do. But uh, can you just give me your thought on the state of American men's tennis and, and what's the problem with it? Well, obviously, um, what's happened is that to me, the you know, the best athletes, say, in Europe, where, you know, most of the top 10, nine of the top 10 are at the moment, um, those great athletes chose tennis as, you know, it's higher up on the, you know, the totem pole than, than tennis is in the States, not for girls, you know, cause I think the playing field's more level for young girls than any other sport. So mm -hmm. you see, you know, the Serena Williams and Venus, the best athletes in a lot of cases try tennis. Um, we have very, very good athletes, but you know, that elite Nadal type or Alcaraz, uh, that's, you know, harder to come by. They're playing football or basketball, uh, soccer's grown you know you can put 20 kids on a something the size of a tennis court you know kick the ball around so we and it's too expensive you know so this is all those factors have led to um where it's been more difficult to get you know the best of the best the michael jordan uh to play tennis uh, lebron james etc so that's the sort of the battle we're facing i think we're actually at a time where you're going to see an american breakthrough soon because you got the three arguably greatest players that ever lived you know coming to the you know, roger stopped um rafa you know he's gonna be 37 in in early june right no that's gonna be 36 so you know it's soon you know this limited there's gonna be openings for a lot of guys and i think there's some you know guys we've we've i think they're feeding off each other that's helping taylor fritz broke into the top 10 inspired you know maybe tiafo is, is is a great athlete he's you know, I'd like to see a little bit more fire in the belly. I think he's developing that. Um, I think he'll be in the top 10 soon. This guy, Ben Shelton, is, you know, has got a very excellent future ahead of him. He's potentially could be a top five player. Jensen Brooksby uh, is a very talented injury. You know, we got a couple guys injured. But I think you're going to see an American. I don't know which one it will be yet, but in the next two years, make a breakthrough and, and, and win one. John, you mentioned fire in the belly. Um when I used to watch you play back in the day, I, I delighted uh, at at your fire on the court, and and particularly when you would decide to to go melt an umpire's chair. Um, do do you embrace that that was your reputation, or do you like wish people would like get over it? Like I'm no longer, I'm not cranky, I'm not grouchy, I'm a nice guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's ironic that in the 15-year career I played on the pro circuit, I played 20, close to 25 on the seniors or champions tour, that the one time I said, you cannot be serious, you know, <laughs> not a day goes by where people don't say that to me. Right. Uh, whether it's an eight-year-old kid or a 75-year-old woman. So it's, <laughs> you know, I, I, I got to take that as a look at the bright side, you know, uh, <laughs> because uh, who would have thought something that, you know, things that I got fined for is what people want me to do now. You know, in the senior yeah. store, they, I could hit a great shot, but they waited till I said something to the umpire and they're like, yeah, okay, you know, oh, I could yeah. do whatever. 
So uh, I try to turn the uh, lemons into lemonade, and I yeah. think it's worked reasonably well. And uh, you grow older. I've got six kids. Uh, hopefully you mature some and get a better perspective. It, you're not as sort of in the thick of it, obviously, as I was when I was trying to win Wimbledon. But, right. of course, almost all athletes remain very competitive, not the same way as, you know, you're trying to play the U.S. Open and win it, but you're competitive. That's how something like pickleball comes up. Right, uh, right. I it's not a game, you know, that I don't look at it like, oh, my God, this is great. Uh, tennis, you know, tennis is my game. You know, mm -hmm. I'm at my tennis academy. Pickleball is something that I've been doing with my friends because it's sort of an equalizer. You play with a plastic ball. You're on a court the third or quarter the size of a tennis court. So everyone feels and you can learn and pick it up and be reasonably good at it. Now, I'm not, you know, any sport on any level, even if it's small court is going to be I would assume somewhat athletic. It's not going to be the same as, you know, you're running down at full speed and someone throws the ball 70 yards and you catch it. But uh, the younger people that can get lower, you know, the ball doesn't bounce. That's not necessarily good for an old guy. Right. So, <laughs> but what is good for an old guy like me is that you only, you're not really sprinting recovering a whole lot of the court. So it's more like um, a social thing that's been, you know, good for like, you know, my buddies come and they think they can beat me. Um, they forget that I know something about, you know, the <laughs> geometry of a court, uh, right. of a rectangle. <laughs> that's okay. But obviously the guys that we're going to be playing, Andre, obviously is an expert at that, Brodick, you know, Chet, we all know that. So uh, this came to us. It was like, what? They're going to, you know, there's money that you're going to throw some money at us. What are you, this is crazy. Um, and I, I, I guess I hope, because at first I'm like, oh, if I hear one more time that pickleball is the fastest growing sport, I think I'm going to throw up. <laughs> um, but, 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 you know, if it's going to help tennis potentially, because I have had some people come up to me and say, oh, I started watching tennis because I play pickleball. So I sort of appreciate, you know, how, you know, truly athletic and how beautiful, a, you know, big time tennis can be. So I'm hopeful right. that it'll be like a win-win for both. Yeah, and John, I'm not surprised uh, that you had a little bit of reluctance about pickleball at first because it, as somebody who's old or old school, I think it's easy to look at pickleball as as sort of a bastardized version of tennis, almost like they're stealing the sport of tennis but miniaturizing it. Uh, is it a separate sport? How do you look at pickleball? Well, it can be. First of all, it's, a, it's a plastic ball, you know, so yeah. automatically that you can't do things you could do with, you know, a tennis ball. Right. Um. I look at it like uh, even worse, though, but like the equivalent of the NFL playing and then arena football, you know, yeah. and they're playing indoors and they're playing six on six or whatever the hell they play in, in the right. arena football league. Right. That, you know, even more so because, you, you know, you're talking about something. I don't know what the exact size dimensions of the arena football compared to the NFL, but you get the idea. That's yeah. um, And I, I, I would suspect that's how, you know, most people view it but um it's an easier game to pick up you know tennis takes a lot of you know time to really sort of even get close to mastering you never master it mm -hmm. so this is more of like um a game, a so you know, I, I would call it social. It sort of exploded. So obviously, people like uh, listen. Kevin Durant seems to be, you know, has has been unfortunately riddled with injuries the last couple of years. He apparently has owned a team. Well, let me tell you, if I were him, I wouldn't get on a pickleball court because that's an accident waiting to happen. Um, right, you're big. He's almost seven feet tall. You know, everything's low. You know, ask him how his back felt the day after he played pickleball. Um, that's the issue. You know, for older people. Right. Younger people can get over anything um, in a way. So um, what's going to happen is, like, I, I believe the best uh, player in the world, or at least saw it hurt. I, I don't know the pickleball rankings, to be honest, but right. <laughs> he, was a he was a college tennis player, from what I heard. And, you know, wasn't going to make it and, you know, moved into this. And God bless him, you know, for, uh, you know, becoming good at something that sort of exploded during the pandemic. You know, what's going to happen in a couple of years? I don't know. I mean, that's why they're trying to sort of, I, I think people are trying to assess as, as we speak. It's hard to imagine something that small. It's like watching ping pong on TV. You know, yeah. how, you know how good can you sort of imagine that to be? It's pickleball is the same issue. I think it's very small. So TV wise, it's tough to see how that could, you know, really work. John Agassiz uh, is already throwing a little bit of shade at you, jokingly saying that he's never going to play any sport ever again if he loses to you in this uh, in this pickleball <laughs> slam. Uh, what do you have to say back to him? Well, I, I think that you forgot the other part of the sentence, which he wasn't going to do it either way. You know, because I don't. <laughs> you know, from what I'm seeing, he ain't been doing a whole lot of that anyway. So. <laughs>
But, you know, I heard he's been training. Um, Andre probably hit one of the greatest balls, cleanest tennis balls I've ever seen in my life when I played him. Um, I don't know if he has that same expertise in pickleball. Uh, you know, our, my other opponent in doubles, Andy Roddick, had an all-time great serve. Well, guess what? You got to serve underhand in pickball. So there goes that advantage. So, right. yes, I'm an old man and, you know, way over the hill. Uh, and Michael has lost some speed. But, you know, that's why this is sort of like unpredictable. You know, right. I don't know exactly how any of us are going to do. You know, sometimes I think I'm, you know, absolutely terrible at this game. And then at other times, I think I'm decent. So um, hopefully the decent part will come through. Do you enjoy pickleball? When you're playing with a couple of friends of yours, there's no cameras watching you. Is it a sport you enjoy compared to tennis? No, no I don't enjoy it. But I enjoy being with my friends. And, and, and making a million dollars at this point. That, uh, that is enjoyable also. You know, winning uh, right. you know, money that you didn't think you would ever even have an opportunity to do playing pickleball of all things. Right, you right. Know? And I probably have a better chance at pickleball than I do at tennis, you know, because, you know, that court looks awful big these days. I'm at my academy. I played with my son today. That court gets bigger and bigger yes. as you get older. And, in, and then I check the dimensions. It's still the same size. So um, there's times where I like the camaraderie of, uh, you know, doing something. It's like going on the golf course and you get some buddies. You have a, you know, a couple beers. You have some fun. You're competing. You know, there's a handicap. You know, that type of stuff leads to uh, lasting friendship. So that part about it, I like. The actual part where I'm like, ooh, the back's not feeling too good. The knee's a little, you know, rickety at this point. That, right. you know, and the only surface you play pickleball on, as far as I know, is, is you know, cement or hardcore. And that yeah. ain't exactly the ideal thing for a 64-year-old man at this point. Right. I get you. I'm, uh, I'm right there with you, a, a fellow old guy over the hill. I can relate. I'll, mm -hmm. uh, I'll be cheering for you on April 2nd. Uh, it sounds like a fun event, and uh, I'm, I'm glad you're involved. And uh, we, we said we'd only keep you 15 minutes, so uh, I'm going to let you go, John. Really appreciate your time. Hey, you got it. Take care, and um, yeah, hopefully it will be fun. I mean, that's yeah. what it falls down to, and the right team wins, which would be us. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, thing. Now, I have to say, that John McEnroe interview, while it got off to a terrible start, was honestly really good. I, I thought he was <laughs> almost too thoughtful on his like the comparisons of tennis and pickleball and comparing it to other NFL sports. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, I love McEnroe because he's generally pretty damn honest, almost to a fault. And when I teed him up to say how great pickleball is because he's in, in this big million-dollar event it's and, expecting, and expecting him to say how great it was, he didn't, <laughs> which I thought was great. Holy crap, Dad. Could FAU and UM being in the Final Four... Like, imagine if you and Stugatz would have said that on the Levitard show. <laughs> yeah, we, we we merely had the Dolphins winning the Super Bowl. Imagine if we would have said FAU in the national championship game, let alone Miami, which has never been there. Now, I know but, every once in a while, teams will sneak into the Final Four. So this isn't that wild. Right. But it's just, man, our alma mater, just wild. We're just a couple of owls here cutting it up. I mean, this is this is fantastic. It, it really is. And I, I don't even know if, if I'm allowed legally to feel excited for FAU being an alum because I'm so old. When I went there, they did not have basketball. Your program had not been invented. You're allowed to do that. That's right. Allowed. Foul owl on the prowl. Now, I think, I think you and I are extra excited about this because we just found out thanks to our good friends at Cheats and Giggles, that we are going to Houston. Houston, we don't have a problem. I'm super excited. <laughs> I'm such a fake FAU fan. I haven't watched them play <laughs> a single game all year outside of this tournament. But I am going to Houston. Mom, I'm going to Houston. I don't know. Is that a song? It should be. Mom, I'm, go I'm going to Houston, and it's going to be awesome. Like As much as fun... I think we're sharing a room, too, by the way. I, are we really? I don't know. We, we're, the details are still being worked out. All right. I got the bed. You got the bathtub. We'll but say that right now. We're going to have a great time filled with nonsense and, you know, some tears, maybe. This is going to be cool. You and I watching UM and FAU in the Final Four, thanks to Sheets and Giggles. Uh, yeah, thank you, Sheets and Giggles. I, I never thought, and I'm saying this very honestly, I never thought in my lifetime that I would see Miami or FAU, let alone both, 
in the final four. It it, it is astounding. I, I mean, Miami, granted, they were in the Elite Eight last year, but there's such a big leap from the Elite Eight to the final four. When you're in the final four, the nation pays attention. I mean, not just people who fill out brackets, not just people who are betting on games, but America at large begins paying attention when it's the final four. There's oh. something magical about that phrase, the final four. I mean, this is major. And and for FAU to be in it, FAU, who didn't have a program when I went there, which, which uh, until five years ago, when Dusty May took over as coach, and anybody named Dusty always sounds like a, a professional wrestler to me. When Dusty May took over, they became a winning program. And, and it's indicative of what a great coach, what just the right coach can mean to a program, and that's FAU right now. He's so out of here. But anyways, while he's here, <laughs> we can enjoy it. It's so unbelievable. Like, we were two games away from this last week, and nobody mentioned the idea of FAU and UM doing this because everyone was like, there's right. no way they're both going to go 2-0 and this weekend. You know, it was just like, no. even though it was kind of in front of us where this could happen, I don't think we even mentioned it at all on either show with the Levitard or this show. No. Like, it was just no way it could actually happen. And here we are. I mean, I wrote a column last week basically saying that, you know, both programs in the Elite Eight for the first time, they're both four wins away from their first national championship. And even as I wrote that, I thought, who am I kidding? <laughs> you know, who are you kidding to say that? Like, like it could actually happen. But now for the men's team, it could actually happen. You know, they, they, they're playing a number four seed. They're not playing a one or a two. Uh, they've already beaten a one. Uh, I'm I'm telling you, I do not discount two? the possibility of... And they were behind by 13 to this number two, and they come back and win. You know, they Nigel Pack, Isaiah Wong, and Jordan Miller. Jordan Miller oh, what a had game. a perfect game. You yeah. don't see... In, in the past 60 years in NCAA tournament history, Jordan Miller is the second player who's had a perfect shooting game. The other was Christian Leitner. It's just incredible the game he had. I mean, he lifted this team. And and uh, they just they have four or five players who can lead the team in scoring in any given game, and and they're great defense. Larry Yeg is a great coach. I mean, they could win it all. They this, could. This is so wild. I have to go out and buy a bunch of FAU stuff so I can totally fake it in Houston. I know. Um, <laughs> this is awesome. I'm so happy right now. And thanks to Sheets and Giggles again. I know we've beat you to death with Sheets and Giggles this episode, but we just found out that they're sending us. We're super excited about the content we're going to create this week. Folks, it's Merch Madness this week for us. You know what? We just decided we're in a giving mood. We're going 50% off this week. What? That's crazy. Are you sure? The site has a 20% sale, and Yeti and I just decided via text, you know what? Let's go Merch Madness. For the rest of March, we're cutting another 30% off of that 20% that the site's doing. So we have 50% off our shirts right now. Shop.thegregcodyshow.com. Support us. Support Sheets and giggles. We're going to Houston. This is exciting. Let's go Owls. Let's go Canes. Let's go whoever uh, we love. Merch Madness. Merch in it.